people. And this morning, I want to dive right in by asking the question, how many of you as children were ever given a timeout or told to go to your room and stay there? How many of us? Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty much uh, 100% uh, of us. And when you think about a timeout or when parents tell their kids, hey, you know what? You need to go to your room and you know, stay there for a little while. What's the goal of that? Well, the goal of a timeout in whatever form is to give you time to think about how you're thinking about a certain issue, a certain thing, or a certain relationship, right? Parents, you're giving your child a little bit of time, a little bit of alone time, right? So that the family ecosystem can function properly, parents to kids, kids to parents, kids to kids. You following me on this? So uh, parents give kids time now. They they need some time to think about their attitude. Everybody say attitude. Attitude, right. Because you're you're not experiencing the right attitude from your child. And so parents take measured steps to do certain things to get their children thinking about how they're thinking about something, issue, or someone. And the big idea is that parents have expectations, or most do at least, about how relationships are supposed to work in the family. And the parents' job is to get the kids on board. Amen, parents? Kids have to come on board on how relationships work in our family. Did you know that God has an expectation for his family ecosystem, for how we should be relating uh, to one another. And he's not gonna put us on a timeout, don't worry. He's, uh, but he is going to, this morning, move us to explore how we think about our attitude in our relationship with him and how that impacts directly our relationship with others. So let's define some terms. If you have your message notes, there's some in your bulletin. Pull those out. We're gonna work out of those. But I wanted to define what we mean by attitude. Um, So the technical definition is a person's way of thinking, feeling, and behaviorally projecting one's position toward an issue, an object, a situation, or a purpose. That's pretty right on, right? It's what's going on inside of a person, and and then that's kind of leaking out of them. And they may not say it, all right? They may not not do anything, but you are picking up what I would call, and that's the next term, you're picking up a vibe, right? It's just like, man, I'm getting a bad vibe from you right now, you know? You know, I grew up, I was born, I'm the the last of the baby boomers, so vibe was a word, right, in our home. But uh, vibe means a person's emotional state as communicated to or felt by others. And see, what I want you to kind of get as we define terms is people will hear what you say, people will see what you do, but what they sense from you is what they remember. Because you can be really good with words, you can be really good with promises, you can be really good with actions, but if your attitude is not in the right place, people will keep distance from you, all right? And that's what I, where I really wanted to start. And as it relates to our, our walk with God, I want you to write this down. A healthy attitude toward God means healthier relationships with people. Write that down. A healthy attitude toward God means a healthy relationships with people. In fact, the two are connected. 
That's why when Jesus was asked, hey, what's most important? What should we be focusing on? What, where should we be putting our energy? Because there's all these laws and there's, there, there's, there's, there's the Hebrew scripture. There's, there's all these things that, that, that people did in the Old Testament. And, and here the Son of God comes to fulfill the covenants of the Old Testament. He says this. He says, uh, it's right there on your outline. You must love. Okay, might want to circle that one. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. There's your attitude right there. It's what's going on on the inside. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so this morning we're kind of connecting the dots uh, between how we feel and how we relate inside in our attitude toward God and how that directly impacts our relationships with other people. And you see the juxtaposition of where we're supposed to be putting our energy. All right, your inside attitude toward God will work itself out in your relationships with other people. And that's one of the things we're learning in this series. You get this right, you're gonna get this right. More of this, better here, all right? Loving attitude toward God and closeness there is usually going to spill out in a loving attitude toward people and closeness there. So if you walked in the door this morning and you're relationally fragmented, if you're relationally divided, if there is separation between a husband and a wife or a parent or a child or you and a friend, you know what my advice to you is? Get close to God. Go back to God. It all starts with God. And that's one of the things uh, that we're learning. And so what we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna connect the dots. I want us to read the scripture this morning from Romans chapter 12. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't, don't sweat it. There might be one in front of you. But we're gonna put the scripture on the screen this morning and we're gonna read our passage and then we're gonna unpack it so that we can connect the dots and see the road that God is taking us as we explore our best relationships with God and people. We're gonna start in Romans 12, verse one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, and this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful. 
in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. So there's God's expectations right there in that last section, Romans 12, nine through 13. That's how our family ecosystem is supposed to run. That's what he expected. So let's connect the dots. In verse one and two, write this down. It's about my life with God, right? It all starts with God. And then in verses three through five, it's as I, as I begin a life with God, I begin to experience my life with a new mind. My thinking starts to change because I'm getting to know God. God is wise and God is loving. And God tells me what he knows. He reveals things to me about everything in life. And what he reveals is the truest thing about anything. And so now I start thinking differently. And then in verses six through eight, as I start to think differently about the issues of my life, God helps me think about myself. And he wants me to live my life at my, write this down, at my full potential. My life at my full potential. So I cross the line. I come into relationship with God. I start to get to know him. And as I get to know him, he starts to influence how I see life. He changes my perspectives on everything and even on myself. That he wants to use me. That he's deposited gifts inside of me. That that he wants to be expressed out of me. And then in verses 9 through 13, God calls me into relationship with himself, and then he, he helps me think better, and he, and he says, I want you to live at your full potential, expressing how I made you in the body of Christ and in the world, and now he starts to talk about, and this is my expectation for our family, all right? God's family ecosystem, specifically what it should feel like to be a part of God's family when you're in it, and What's the vibe that we should be picking up from each other? And then here's a real important thing. As Jesus' church, what should others, when they enter our family ecosystem and come into a service at Crossline Church or enter any community at Crossline Church, what should those who do not know Jesus or those who are visiting, what should they feel? And that's what verses 9 through 13 say about what they should feel. So this morning, we're gonna connect the dots, and we're just gonna look at a real simple process of how my attitude and connection to God should be driving my attitude and connection to other people, other family members, my spouse, my children, my parents, my coworkers, people sitting to your left and your right, and especially to people who come into and visit and are seeking and wanting to know Jesus. What should they pick up? What's the vibe that they should, that should pick up? And so step one, if you look at your notes, is I have to adjust my core attitude with God. And I put the first verse from Romans chapter 12 in this series right there on your outline. I want us to read it together, ready? In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And so, we, we know that God has expressed his mercy toward us. That's Romans chapters one through 11. There was the bad news about how we're imperfect. There's the good news about how God has solved that dilemma of his perfection and our imperfection by sending his only son to eliminate our sin and imperfection and about how God's spirit comes into our life and how we join this, this wonderful plan. But that first step, it requires humility. 
Doesn't it require humility to offer yourself to anybody, to anything? You have to, you have to humble yourself and say, I need you. And that's what the gospel is. It's a human being saying, I need what you have to offer. I need you, and I need your forgiveness, and I need your grace, and I need your truth. And that theme of humility you're going to pick up is the theme of what we're gonna talk about. So when we think about what's my core attitude toward God, think humility. Look at your notes, 1 Peter 5, 6, and let's read that passage together, ready? Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I want you, if you're taking notes, to circle humble yourselves. So you have a connective thought there where if you're in a relationship with God, the key attitude toward God is humility. Now, most of us would go, I'm not God. Now, just by default, with he's God and I'm not, that is what we call automatic humility, right? Let me put it into perspective, right? If I was a guitar player and I had an hour with Eric Clapton, he would be doing all the talking, okay? If I was a, a, a college basketball prospect and Michael Jordan walked into the room and I had two hours in a private training session with Michael Jordan, he would be doing all the talking, right? When you think about those situations, you go, oh, of course. You would keep your mouth shut and you would let the other person who knows more talk and instruct you and educate you. And then it comes to our relationship with God. That's the only way that you can think about it. And God is so much more than that human illustration that I just gave. And in the Bible, what we see are examples of God juxtaposing who he is and who we are so that we'll get it. So you will hear Jesus say, I am the vine and you are the branches. You'll hear uh, the Lord say, and through the prophet Isaiah, I'm the potter and you're the... Right. You'll hear Jesus say, I'm the shepherd and you're the... That's right. And to Job... And his buddies who got it wrong, he said, I'm the creator and you're the created. So God positions himself in, in this, this place. It's a positional, it's called positional humility. So when we think about God, we just have to think in terms of the way we normally think when we're around someone who's bigger than us, stronger than us, knows more than us. Oh, and by the way, he loves you and has your best interest in mind as well. So it's not just an obligation. So the core attitude that Jesus asks for, that the Bible talks about, that God asks for, is that you rest in reality. It's sort of like when parents and kids, you know, when kids forget who's in charge, right parents? You know, when they forget who pays the bills and who pays the mortgage and they forget who creates this wonderful context for them to live in and, and then they start acting like they're you. Like I'm in charge. You see, the same thing happens in our relationship with God. Like we naturally think, well, of course. You know, there's a person who's in charge and they deserve to be in charge and that's their position. Uh, but then the, the reality is, is that a lot of us, uh, because of pride or because of fear, we displace God. And then we start acting like him and that's when life starts to fall apart because things are out of order. 
Yeah, it's out of order. It's out of order. In fact, when we think about what is my core attitude toward God right now, it's one of three. Everybody sitting to your right or left, right now you're in one of three buckets. The first attitude toward God is pride. And the language of pride is, I know better. You know, in families, you know, I keep going back to the parent-kid relationship. It's amazing how toddlers, you know, they, they, they think like, hey man, I'm, I, I know better than my parents, but they just don't know better. But they don't know that they don't know better, right? It's like they try to run away from you into the street, and, you know, they go for the doorknob. It's like, what's your plan? It's like, what, what's your plan after you start running away and you, you grab the door and, you know, <laughs> what's, the, what's the plan, you know? But they don't know better. But as adults, listen, as adults, when we don't have, when we're out from our parents, who's your father? Who's your father? Who knows better? See, one of the things that I talked about with my kids when they were growing up, I just said, you know, dad has a father. Dad has to listen to his father. Dad respects his father. And I know that he knows more than I do. But sometimes I can think, hey, you know what? God, I hear what you're saying, but I'll take this one, okay? That's pride. Some of us are in that bucket. Then there's the second bucket, which is fear. Fear is the flip side of pride. It's, I know my needs better. I know my needs better. I hear what you're saying, God, but you know, if I do it your way, my needs won't get met when I want and how I want them. So I think I'm gonna meet my needs before you. And do you see how pride and fear both take God's place? It's called idolatry. It's when we think we're God. But fear doesn't like send the outward message, right? Fear is just, you know what? I'm just gonna kind of slither over here and I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna, like, I'll, I'll do a little bit of God, but then I'll, I, I'll do this area of my life. We're like the, the, the 90 10 or the 80 20 Christian, right? Where we like to reserve little portions of our life for our control, where you're God over here in all these areas, but in this area, I'm a functional atheist. Nowhere do you see this in culture than on the topic of sex. Believe it or not, I was on the board of Christian, Christian Mingle. They asked me to come on the board, and I wrote a big article. It's, a, it's the one that, bar none, has ever had the most shares on social media. There was over 600,000 shares of this article. And you know what it was called? Sexual atheism. And what it was was, it was me having a discussion with Christians about sex, okay? You know, something that we do every day, you know, all the time, a little breakfast conversation. But my point was, listen, I'm looking at a survey that says you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm looking at a survey that says you believe that his word is a big role in your life. You believe that studying the Bible is really important. You would say there's one way to salvation. Yet in this area of your life, you are a functional atheist. You don't believe God has anything to say. He has everything to say about that, but he has absolutely zero to say about that. That's fear. It's, it, it's, it's basically the Heisman. It's like, hey God, you have a lot of good things to say, but in this area of my life, I'm afraid my needs won't get met or get met the way I want, when I want, so I'm gonna do it my way, that's fear. I know my needs better. Then the third bucket is humility, and it's not I know better, it's not I know my needs better. Look on your outline and let's say it together. It's you know better, right. That is the position of humility. 
And it makes sense. The same way it makes sense for a four-year-old to trust their parent, even though sometimes they might under, not understand that. You ever get that look from your kids' parents? It's like, what, who are you? What planet are you on? Don't you understand, right? But humility is the core attitude that God wants right now. And you know what I loved? I loved about worship this morning was when we sang that song that says, you are my refuge, my hiding place. That's where we go to to refresh ourselves and get our attitude right. And if this isn't working well, life isn't working well. Why? Because you're made by God and for God. And so if your attitude and relationship isn't close here, why would you think this works out here? That's the way it works in families with kids, right? Things aren't working out unless we're together, okay? Now, let's connect the dots again. On your notes is 1 Peter 5, 5. I want us to read this together, ready? All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the Okay, so what is God saying to us this morning? He says, bucket three. I want you to be in bucket three. Humble. And that's the way it's set up. Vine and branches. Shepherd and sheep. Potter and clay. Creator and created. That's how this works. And guess what? If it works with me, it works with one another. And that is, that is where I just wanna say, as we look at that passage, just, just get that. If you don't get anything out of this message, please get that. That a relationship with God requires humility because he's God and you're not. He's your savior and you're the one who is saved, right? And as we clothe ourselves, which is what the command is, clothe yourselves with humility, okay? That means, you know, when I see you, you know, I'm, this is Freudian, you know, everybody has clothes on here. Uh, you know, but we put our clothes on and we, we come and present ourselves to our environment. When you come and present yourself to God, he wants you to put on humility. Say this with me, God wants me to put on humility in my relationship with him. And when I put on humility in my relationship with God, man, he says, I want you to put on re- humility in your relationships with other people. You see, what's cool is that God says, and I want you to write this down, humility is the oil of relationships. Humility is the oil of relationships. And I, I know that all you gearheads out there are like, yeah, oil's important to an engine. It's also important to your relationship with God because relationships are the engines of life. That's the message of Romans chapter 12. God is a relational God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God built us for relationships to give and receive love and to connect and to practice the one another's. But if you don't have humility toward God, you're not gonna have humility toward people and humility is the oil of relationship. Engines need oil to function well. If they don't have oil, what's gonna happen? They seize. And now we're learning something about relationships. Without humility, in your relationship with God, that relationship will what? Seize. Without humility in your relationships toward one another, in your approach to one another, what happens to your relationships? They seize. That's right. 
You see, humility is the oil that makes way for a good connection. It makes way for a couple things. It, it makes way for reciprocity. Humility allows me to love you. Humility allows me to encourage you. Humility allows me to forgive you. Humility on the inside allows me to do those things. And when, when there's humility and then there's reciprocity, and we're getting close. I'm getting close to God. That's, that's how it works with God, and that's how it works with people. So say this with me. What God models for us is meant for us. So whatever you do in your relationship with God works in your relationships with people. Now, some of us on our relational dashboard, okay, you see this light. You see this light. Let me put up the slide, please. It's your check oil light, all right? In your relationship with God, the check oil light is on. And how does, how does God know what, what's, what's flashing in front of you? Because you're distant from him. Your engine, the engine of your relationship with God is, it, it's fragmenting. You don't feel close uh, to God. And whenever that's happening, you gotta check your attitude. And you're running low on humility and you're, you're, you're burning out your engine on pride and fear. Whichever one. You're taking control of certain areas of your life. You're not listening to God. You're replacing God through pride and fear. And when we do that, life is gonna naturally break down and disintegrate and your relationships are gonna go south, right? But what's the solution, okay? The solution is to get right with God. But if you don't get right with God, then this light comes on. You know that those two indicators on your spiritual and relational life, they come on when you lack humility. And you see, that's the attitude that wins closeness with God and it wins closeness with people. Pride and fear wins division and separation. And so the word of the Lord to us this morning is, I wanna be close to you. But you have to recognize who you are and you have to recognize who I am. And oh, by the way, in addition to being more than who you are and there being automatic humility, I love you. I love you so much. So some of us need an oil change, amen? And do not hit the person to your right or left. All right? Some of us need an oil change, okay? And we need an attitude adjustment. That's what God's saying. Because you know what, you need to adjust your attitude with me. You gotta stop living in pride and you gotta stop living in fear and taking over areas of your life that I wanna speak into. And you have to humble yourself before me and let's get that right. So that's step one, our attitude with God. All right, now let's look at step two. I gotta adjust, once I have humility with God, step two is I gotta adjust my attitudes with people and toward people. After I get my spiritual oil change and I, gotta, I got 10 quarts of some fresh humility, and my insides are adjusted and my thinking is starting to be right, look what happens. Because that's the point of Romans 12, one. It's like, offer your bodies a living sacrifice acceptable to God. I'm humbling myself, I'm surrendering my life to God and then this whole, this whole ocean of blessing opens up and it, it moves toward my life and community and here's what it looks like, all right? I want us to read Romans 12, nine through 13 together, ready? Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, 
Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. You see, that is God's expectation for our family ecosystem. As the father, that right there, that's what he wants us to do in relationship with one another. That's how, that's the environment that he wants people to step into. And let me tell you, as, as a member of the executive pastoral team, that's what we're shooting for here at Crossline, for this community. So that every person who walks into this environment, they're gonna see authenticity. They're gonna see good people on the inside. They're gonna see us devoted to each other, honoring one another, putting energy into serving the Lord and serving one another, giving each other grace, joyful in hope, patient in affliction. They're gonna see people who are faithful in prayer. We're givers, we're generous, we're sharing with the Lord's people in need. And man, we are a welcoming place. We practice hospitality. That is God's expectation. Is it yours? That's what God wants for us. Don't you wanna be a part of a family like that? I do. That's what, that's, that's what I wanna be a part of. And so when we look at adjusting our core attitudes, when we have humility, look what starts popping out, okay? It's the soil, humility, it starts creating this, this environment for other things to happen, all right? Love and devotion and honor. These attitudes on the inside, joy, these are all inner attitudes, an attitude of sharing, an attitude of hospitality, Right? But without that spiritual oil change, and this is why we're in this series, we're having people do a devotional with God every day, then we're coming to Sunday service, then we're getting together in the group. Those are all like little mini oil changes. You know, That's where the fresh life comes in and it keeps you from getting toxic on pride and fear and burning out in your relationships. Okay? That's the whole purpose. Now, in Ephesians chapter four, it talks a little bit more, fleshes this whole concept out about our core attitudes toward people. Let's read that together. Ready? As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Do you know how God defines success if you identify as a Christian? He defines it relationally. If I have a relationship with God and I have a sucky, divided relationship with people, God's not pleased. Because God has demonstrated and modeled for us Grace, acceptance, affirmation, forgiveness. He has modeled that for us and when we have experienced that and then we don't give that away toward other people and when we experience it, it should install some humility. You see, he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. What's that calling? Be humble and giving and life-giving in relationships. Just do a little mental survey right now. Maybe think about the person sitting to your right or left. Are you humble and life-giving to those people? Maybe there's a, a face that pops up in your mind where you just go, you know what? I haven't been humble and life-giving to that person. 
Maybe God's speaking to you right now. And there's somebody in this church family. You're like, you know what? I haven't been humble and life-giving to that person. You see, you need humility, and humility bursts all of these great other attitudes. And the reason why I can say that with confidence is that there's no such thing as a pridefully loving person. There's no such thing as a pridefully forgiving person. There's no such thing as a pridefully generous person because it's all about them. There's no such thing as a pridefully hospitable person. God says, and let's write this down together, humility is the soil of blessing and encouragement. Humility is the soil in human relationships of blessing and encouragement. So there's my core attitude toward God. It's, it's, it's one of humility. And he says that he's opposed to the proud and gives grace to the humble. And it's the oil of our relationship with him and what he models for us is meant for us. So I can take how it works with me and him and then I can work that out with the people that I'm in contact with. Secondly, humility is the soil of blessing and encouragement. When you love people, that's blessing and encouragement. When you're devoted to someone, that's blessing and encouraging to them. Um, when you're joyful in your attitude under pressure and patient under pressure, and you're faithful in prayer under pressure, and you're a sharer and you're hospitable, that's blessing and encouragement to people. It accelerates. That's why I put after that fill-in, miracle grow. What does miracle grow do? it accelerates growth. If you want to accelerate, accelerate the growth of love, accelerate the, the growth of encouragement, accelerate uh, the growth of being a forgiving person, if you wanna accelerate honoring other people in your life, humility is the miracle grow of human relationships. So that's step two. Step one. I gotta look at my core attitude with God. Step two, I have to look at my core attitudes with people and I have to check them against my core attitude with God. Step three, and here's where the rubber meets the road, people, bring my new attitudes into my relationships with one another. Let's, let's look at Philippians two, five through seven. Let's read God's word together, ready? In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." And I underline in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And that's the biggest dot of all. If I say I'm a follower of Jesus and the Bible says that when I become a follower of Jesus that God puts the spirit of his son inside of me, that means that I could begin to think like Jesus. That's a game changer. That is the game changer. In marriage, in family, with coworkers, with neighbors, with the people that we wanna reach in this community, we can have the same mindset of Jesus. And what was that? It was one of humility. To serve another person, you have to be humble. And think about this for a second. Jesus is the servant king. He descended into greatness. The reason why we love Jesus is because he served us. And he served us all, all the way to when his heart stopped. 
Actually, his heart exploded on the cross. That's what crucifixion did. That's why when the guard pierced his side, water and blood flowed out. That's how humble he was for you. It's amazing when I think about how poorly sometimes I treat the people I love the most. It's terrible. You know, I need, I need that oil change. I need to take my whole life into God's shop. And I need to remind myself of who he is and who I am and how this works. And usually, I then am told by my father, go make it right. Go make that right. And to bring my new attitude because of my relationship with God into my relationship with others because when I'm with him, I feel like I'm yours. I'm your chosen child. I'm loved. I'm accepted. I'm affirmed. You, you cover me with grace, but you don't leave me there. You love me enough to tell me the truth. And because of your grace and your truth, I'm healing and I'm becoming a new person. Great. Go give that grace and truth to someone else. And I think all of us can enter that journey. Look what it says in Colossians 3, 12 through 14. I want us to read that together. Ready? Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Okay, I want, I, want you to, I want us to unpack this very quickly and then we'll close. What we see there is our identity in Christ's community. Write that down. And we see that when in the scripture it says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy in love. There's our identity in Christ's community. We're chosen and we're holy and set apart to be different, to have the family resemblance, and we're deeply and dearly loved. Secondly, after identity, we see where our energy in Christ's community is supposed to go. Clothe yourselves. As a, as a dearly loved, chosen child of God, clothe yourself. That's the energy. So everybody say, identity commands energy. That's right. So if I'm a Christian and I'm a child of God, that's my identity. And then here we see my identity is supposed to command my energy. I'm supposed to clothe myself and work on my insides so that I can give away what God has given to me. What does it look like? That's the third fill-in. That's my expression in Christ's community. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Put on love. You know what that looks a lot like to me? Grace. It looks like grace. So there's our identity in Christ's community, our energy in Christ's community, and then there's our expression in Christ's community. Because folks, here's a truth statement. What's inside always comes outside onto other people. What's inside of you always, that's your vibe. All right, they pick up and sense, people pick up and sense your attitude. All right, look at what Jesus says in Matthew 12, 35. He says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up where? In him. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. There's out of in him. What's in us comes out of us. We leak. There's no diaper for a bad attitude. Amen? 
People sense it. People see it. And guess what? People separate themselves from it. Or worse, they'll put up with it and let the relationship get toxic and unhealthy. And God never called any one of his children to a toxic and unhealthy relationship. So we see that what's inside always comes outside onto others. Now here is God's desire. God's desire is in his word, 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16. I want us to read this together, ready? For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other we are an aroma that brings life. I want you to circle an aroma that brings life. There's your attitude, there's your vibe, that's what you're emotionally projecting to other people. Your identity is coming out and it's coming out in the form of energy and it all goes back to what is my relationship here and what's my attitude here and have I had an oil change? Have I had some fresh humility? Because if I haven't with God and that's what he models, then I'm not gonna give it away in my relationships with people. That's it. That's the vibe God wants us to throw off. That's the attitudes inside rooted in a proper relationship with your creator, a proper relationship with the vine as the branch, proper relationship with the potter as the clay, proper relationship with the creator as a creator. My question to you this morning is, are you in a proper relationship with God? Because if you're not, he really wants a relationship with you. And he proved it by sending his only son to move all the obstacles of your shortcomings out of the way and nailing them to a cross and covering all your shame and covering all your guilt and even covering your pride and covering your fear and made a clear path for you to to know him, but you, you have to humble yourself. You have to recognize, God, I need you. I need you. That requires humility and it requires faith. And maybe there's some of you here this morning, you need the big oil change. You need to commit your life to Christ. You need to exchange your fear and pride that has kept you distant from God replace it with some fresh humility right now and just acknowledge who he is and who you are then there's some of you where you've allowed yourself to drift into pride and thinking that you know better than God or maybe you've allowed yourself to drift into fear and you've taken over control in a certain area of your life and both have separated you from God and it's beginning to separate you from other people. And you too have the check engine light on. And if you don't want to burn out your relationships with people, you need to come back to step one. You need to come back and you need to humble yourself before God. So I'd like everyone here in the room to bow their heads, put down their pencils. We're just gonna have a moment with God. Father, we're here right now We've heard how our relationship with you works. You're the vine and we're the branch. 
you're the potter and we're the clay. Lord, forgive us for thinking that we were the source of life when you were the source of life. God, forgive us for being clay that you wanted to mold and us talking back to the potter and say, why did you do this? Jesus, we want you to be our shepherd, our leader. We want you to be our savior. And so Lord, together as a church family, Lord, we acknowledge how you want our relationships to work. And we humble ourselves before you and we ask for your forgiveness. We ask for you to fill us anew with the Holy Spirit, your spirit and forgive us and to lead us and control us and to show us what to do and how to live and how to treat others. Lord, we want our relationship with you to work and be close. And God, we want right now our relationship with others to work. There's people in the room right now, you're separated emotionally from your wife or from the person that you're with. And God is saying to you, come to me for I am gentle and humble and you will find rest for your soul. The answer is not in a relationship, it's in me. Give your life to me, commit to me, love me and I will show you the way in your relationships with other people. There are some of us here this morning and we know God and we love God We want that relationship to now impact our relationship toward others. So Jesus, we are counting on you right now to tell us who we are, children of God, dearly loved. We're counting on you to clothe us now with a proper humility. And then Lord, we say yes. We say yes as individuals, yes as a church family to the way you want our family to be, loving, honoring, devoted, encouraging, forgiving, gracious. We recommit to you. We recommit to you being God. And we recommit to your ways that you want us to relate to each other. In Jesus' name we pray and God's people said, amen. Amen.